Blind Faith Podcast, and welcome to another episode. I'm your host, Reverend Craig C. Edgley Jr., and the title of today's lesson is The Hedge Maker is Also My Redeemer. The Hedge Maker is Also My Redeemer. Our lesson for today is going to come from the book of Job, beginning at the first chapter. And a tenth verse. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household in everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hand so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. Again, the title of our message is The Hedge Maker. He is also my redeemer. So when we think of this concept of a hedge, there are many different things that come to mind. But I want to take a step back and, and really set the stage for what's happening in this passage of scripture and try to paint the picture a little bit uh, clearer. And so Within this story, within this first chapter of Job, we have God, our Heavenly Father, sitting in the heavens, and the angels have assembled before him in order to, 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 to worship him, to, to, to bask within his presence uh, like normal angels should do. But in this particular meeting, Satan decides that he's going to show up, <coughs> in essence, and crash the party. And, and so he shows up and, and, and God calls him out. But God calls him out in, in, a, in a very unique way in this particular instance. He says, where have you come from? He say, roaming the earth. Seeking whom he can devour. Roaming the earth. Seeking whom he can, can, can wreak havoc for. Roaming the earth. Seeking individuals that he can separate from God. Roaming the earth uh, like a crab in a bucket. Trying to pull individuals down. Because he knows his ultimate. His ultimate destiny. Is to burn for eternity in hell. But it's not good enough just for him to go down himself. He, he, he wants to roam the earth and seek those who he can wreak havoc for, seek, seek individuals that are in the kingdom of God that he can destroy, that he can sift as wheat. And so with that being said, 
God says, have you considered my servant Job? Now, ain't that some stuff? <laughs> you know that that's one of the most that's one of the most things is it's difficult to get your head wrapped around. God says, have you considered my servant Job? Now, Job is known to be an upright man, a man who fears God with his entire house, a man who gets up early in the morning and makes sacrifices to God uh, for himself and for his children, a man who worships God with his whole heart, with his whole mind, with his whole soul, a man who is, fears the Lord, a, a, an upstanding man, a good man, a hardworking man, a man who loves his family, and a man who trusts God. And of all the people who God could have picked to endure suffering that Job was getting ready to endure. He picked an upright man, a man who feared God with all of his heart. And, and that says something about this particular notion that we as believers have when we feel like, you know, if I keep doing good, if I just keep going to church and I just keep paying my tithes and I just continue praying to God three, four times a day and I read the word of God and I worship God in spirit and in truth, then I will never, ever, ever have to endure hardships, difficulty, pain. And that's just a false notion. We are ambassadors of Christ here in the earth, but we don't belong to the earth. And, and, and we must understand that as ambassadors for Christ, as members of the body of the kingdom of God here in the earth, we're going to suffer persecution. We're going to suffer hardships. We're going to suffer uh, pain. But we don't belong here. <laughs> it's it's kind of like... When, when outsiders come into a foreign country, you know, you, you don't necessarily belong there. You're, you're visiting there. You're a visitor. And so you, gotta, you can't be expected to be treated the same way as the individuals who, who don't come, who, who, who have domestically come from that region. Who are individuals who don't necessarily have any ties to the kingdom of God may not experience the same amount of suffering and hardships that we experience because we're the outsiders. We're the individuals who are, 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 are sent from God. We come from God. We, we are out of God. We are Christians. That means we come out of Christ and we're here in the world for a mission, for a divine assignment from God. And so we ought to expect a little kickback is what I'm basically trying to say. We ought to expect some hostility because we're trying to influence a world to change. We're trying to influence a world to follow Christ. We're trying to influence the world to find a better way. <clears throat> a better way of living. A better way of thinking. A better way of existing and being. And, and, and so because we're outsiders. And we exist in this world. And, and oftentimes we hear the scripture saying that Satan calls himself the king of this world. 
but we don't submit to the king of this world. We submit to the king of all kings, the king that's higher than any king. In essence, that would make him the king of not just the world, but the king of heaven, earth, and anything else in creation. And so with that being said, let's jump into the text. What is a hedge? Well, the first way that we can define a hedge is a hedge is a barrier. So a barrier is something that is set up so that an enemy cannot prevail against it. When you put a barrier around something, you set it up so that the enemy cannot prevail against it. Oftentimes when individuals come to the house and they want to set up, uh, uh, they want to do pest control, the first thing they do before they even come into the house is they set up a barrier along the outside of the house. Because a barrier is set up in order that nothing else can come in to the barrier. Not only can nothing else prevail against the barrier, nothing can destroy the barrier, nothing can knock the barrier down, but nothing can even cross over the barrier. And so when we think about the hedge of God that he sets up around those who believe in Christ, around those who believe in him, he sets up this barrier. And unless God allows access into the barrier, nothing can prevail against the barrier. Nothing can destroy the barrier. Nothing can cross over the barrier. Beloved, can you see yourself? sitting in the midst of the barrier of God. There are things that have that the enemy has desired to destroy you, to take you out, to wipe you out, but because the barrier of God was around you, the waves may roll and the billows may roar, but because the barrier of God was around us, we have been protected, we have been kept, we have been shielded from destruction, and it's not because we've been so good, and it's not because we've been so mighty, but it's because the barrier of God has been established around us. I like that. It not only is God's barrier one that cannot be destroyed, it not only is it one that cannot be crossed, but it's one that is everlasting. Unless God lifts the barrier, it cannot be broken from now until eternity. Because God's barrier is everlasting. But not only does the dictionary define the word hedge as a barrier, the dictionary also defines the word hedge as a boundary. I, I like that. <laughs> the, the, the dictionary defines the word hedge as a boundary. You see, a boundary is like a dividing wall. A boundary line is something that, that, that first and foremost has geographical purposes. If we go all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament, we see that God always gave geographical boundaries. He would say, your land shall go uh, from as far as the Jordan uh, uh, to the Euphrates. Or, or as far as the mountain to the sea, or your barrier, uh, the, the boundary of Jerusalem shall be this far to the east and this far to the west. 
the boundary of Jerusalem shall be this far to the north and this far to the south. And so God always in his word used geographical boundaries to say that, that this land belongs to him. <laughs> I like that because when God sets up geographical boundaries, he's saying that everything within the geographical boundaries belongs to him. When you set up a fence around your perimeter of your property, what you're saying is everything on the inside of this fence is my property. Ooh, ain't it good to be property of God? It's just so sweet that, that we can understand and that we can know that we are the property of God and that there are boundary lines that have been set up around us, not because we look so good and not because we smell so good and not because we talk so good, but because God has set up geographical boundaries around us, which establish us as the property of God. Oh man, that's, 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 that's deep right there. Because just as God marked off the geographical boundaries of Jerusalem, God has marked off the geographical boundaries of his children. And everything within the boundaries of God is his property. <laughs> yeah, that's a beautiful thing. But not only does it mean that everything within the boundaries of God is his geographical property, but it also has jurisdictional implications. <laughs> you know, when you, when you go into a certain jurisdiction uh, within the state of Texas, you belong to, you, you'll get tried within Harris County and you might have to deal with the Harris County Law Enforcement Department. When you go into a different jurisdiction, you'll, you'll, you'll be tried by the Travis County uh, uh, Law Enforcement. And, and the idea of jurisdiction is within certain boundaries, there are certain law enforcement agencies that have power within those boundaries. What this gives us as an implication in our text is that God has jurisdictional power over everything that falls within his boundary lines. That means that nothing can exert its power over God within something that is within God's boundaries. Because God has jurisdictional power over everything that falls within his boundary lines. So if the Lord's boundary lines have been marked off around me, then everything inside of me, God has jurisdiction over it. Everything that is connected to me, God has jurisdiction over it. You can't touch my children. You can't touch my house. You can't touch my, my property, you can't touch my job, you can't touch my marriage, because everything that is connected to me has been marked off within the jurisdictional boundaries of God. And unless you can exert power over God, you have no jurisdictional authority over the things that God has marked off within his boundaries. In the old day, they would set up boundary stones in our modern day, we set up fences or gates, but the idea remains the same that when I set up boundary lines, not only am I marking off my geographical boundaries, but I'm also marking off my jurisdictional boundaries. Okay. And so 
getting back to our text. Satan comes back at God and says, number one, you've placed a hedge around him. Number two, you've placed a hedge around everything that he owns. And number three, you've blessed him immeasurably. You've placed a hedge around him. You've placed a hedge around everything he owns. And you've blessed him immeasurably. So the third thing I want to talk about is the blessing of God. Beloved, have you ever stopped to think of how the blessing of God has been on you? There's been so many instances in my life, and I believe you'd be able to say the same for yourself in your life, in which if it had not been for the blessing of God, you would have been dead. You would have been sleeping in your grave. If it had not been for the blessing of God, you would have been in jail. If it had not been for the blessing of God, you would have been uh, broke down, tow up from the flow up and, and about to make yourself throw up. If it had not been for the blessing of God on your life, providing for you, protecting you, keeping you, empowering you, uplifting you, uh, his divine provision, his divine providence. If it had not been for the blessing of God on your life, if it had not been for the blessing of God on your marriage, if it had not been for the blessing of God on your family, if it had not been for the blessing of God on your finances, if it had not been for the blessing of God on your bank account, if it had not been for the blessing of God on your household, if it had not been for the blessing of God on your ministry, if it had not been for the blessing of God, where would you be? I don't want to imagine where I would be if it had not been for the blessing of God on my life. My God. Satan says you got a hedge on him. <laughs> you got a hedge on everything he owns and your blessing is on him. He says, if you lift your hedge, take that blessing off of him. He'll curse you to your face. And God gives him limited access. God gives him limited access. I want you to see in the text, God never completely lifts the hedge. He shrinks the hedge and he shrinks the hedge again, but he only gives Satan limited power. Satan does not have infinite power over the children of God. He has limited power access with limited power and anytime God gives him limited power God always has a purpose 
and God always has a plan and God will always make all things work together for our good. But I want it to be clear that Satan does not have complete access of power or authority over the children of God. He has limited power. And so I, I, I refute the notion that God completely lifts the hedge up. But God does shrink the hedge down. He starts by allowing Satan power to touch the things that God, the things that, that, that Job owns. He follows up by allowing Satan to touch even the flesh and bones of Job. But he never gives Satan the authority or the power to touch Job's soul. What that says to me as a believer is that as long as I keep my faith in God, I might lose things that belong to me. I might even have challenges within my own health and well-being. But as long as I can keep my faith in God, God will never give Satan power over my soul. With that being said, I want to go to the next point, which is that in our text, the enemy hires some infiltrators. He hires some infiltrators to try to get within that hedge, that, 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 that last barrier. Because we see that the barrier was lifted up off of his, the things that he owned. And we see that the barrier was lifted up off even his health and well-being. But that, that last barrier, the one that is around his soul, he hires some infiltrators to try to get inside that last layer, to break that faith that Job has placed in God. And so the first infiltrator that I want to point out is the wife. Now, we could say that, you know, and, and there's a lot of songs that, that, that kind of dog the wife out a little bit. But we do have to recognize that this is a woman that's done lost all, her, all of her children. Now, that doesn't make it right, but she's hurting. And she comes to her husband and say, you know, why don't you just curse God and die? Now, I'm not trying to excuse her actions. Certainly, she's under the influence of the enemy. And, 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 and what I want to, to, to suggest to us is that the enemy will use your marriage to try to infiltrate the hedge of God on your soul. The enemy will try to use your marriage to try to come in between you and God. And, and, and you cannot, as a servant of God, let even that which is the closest and most sacred to you, your marriage, break your faith in God. You cannot let it infiltrate the hedge of God that has been placed on your soul. You cannot let it infiltrate your faith in God. More so than that, his friends come into the picture. And they try to infiltrate his faith in God. And, and, and they don't tell him to curse God and die, but they say, man, you must have done something jacked up. I knew you couldn't have been as good as what you claimed you were. His friends begin to dog him out. They say, yeah, all of that going to church and you must have, must have been doing something wrong. You must have been a backslider. 
You must have been wayward. You must have been putting on a mask. You must have been putting on a front. Ain't that a trip? This man has been worshiping God with his, with his self and with his whole house. He, he's been praying to God. He's been serving God faithfully. And, and in the midst of despair, in the midst of persecution, his friends come up to him and say, man, you was all fake. And we know you was all fake because look at you in your present predicament. And that's why it's so important and it's essential as believers in God that we do not associate prosperity, health, and wealth with our faith in God. And, and I know that some, some might say, what? You mean to tell me that it's not my faith in God that has allowed me to have this prosperity? It's not my faith in God that has allowed me to have this health and this wealth? And that's not exactly what I'm saying. If you believe in God, you will be blessed because of your belief in God. However, you cannot tie the two together so tightly that you say that anytime I face hardship and persecution, it's because my faith in God is no longer present. That's not true. There are times in life when the believers of God will have faith in God and still face persecution. Look at people like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Look at the people who, uh, 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 who have come through hell and high water. Look at our ancestors who have come through hell and high water. Look at the, the children of Israel who have come through hell and high water and have remained faithful to God and have placed their faith in God and have still seen hardships and persecutions. And so I don't want us to think that, that, that our faith in God will not be rewarded because our faith in God will be rewarded. But I also don't want us to lose faith in God just because things fall down all around us and because everything is not going the way we want it to go. The two are not interchangeable. Faith in God is separate from the blessing of God. Now, the faith in God will produce the blessing of God, but the faith in God is not interchangeable with the blessing of God. The two things are separate, and I, we must maintain our faith in God even when we temporarily cannot see the blessing of God. Even when the hedge has been lifted, we still have to maintain our faith in God. Realizing that ultimately, if we keep our faith in God, that our latter days shall be greater than our former. So Job has these infiltrators that try to break his faith in God. There's his wife who tells him to curse God and die. There's his friends who tell him, man, you must have done something bad. There's the servants that come and tell him all of the bad news, all with attempts to break his faith. Beloved, we must hold on to our faith in God, even in the midst of infiltrators that try to break our faith in God.
my final point that I want to make before I leave you, beloved, is that in this story, we start off seeing God as the hedge maker. We start off seeing God as, God as the person who has placed barriers around us. We start off as seeing God who has placed boundary lines around us. We start off by seeing God as the person who has, or as the entity who has blessed us immeasurably. And, and that is who God is. But what I want you to see in the story of Job, in the life of Job, is not only is God our hedge maker, but God is also our redeemer. And as Job gets down into the later passages in the chapter, in chapter 19, he says, I knew him as my hedge maker, but now I know him as my redeemer. And I know that my redeemer lives and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. And so we know God as the hedge maker. When he protects us from all those things around us that come in to destroy us. We know God as our barrier maker. We know God as our boundary maker. We know God as our blesser. But what I want us to get to know God as when we go through the midst, in the midst of pandemics and in the midst of financial hardships, in the midst of relationship hardships, in the midst of all kind of attacks on our family, attacks on our marriage, attacks on our children, attacks on our friends, attacks on every side. What I want us to get to know God as is not just the hedge maker, but we got to get to know God as our redeemer. Because what a redeemer does is once you have endured hardship and once you have endured persecution, once you've endured the pain, once you've endured the suffering, a redeemer comes in and turns that thing around. A redeemer's job is to find that which is salvageable and come in and save it from persecution, save it from destruction, save it. Do you know a redeemer? <laughs> I'm so glad that I found a redeemer and his name is Jesus Christ. He's not only my hedge maker, not only does he place boundary lines around me, not only does he place his barrier around me, not only does he bless me, but after everything has fallen apart, after he's lifted up his barrier, after the enemy has come in like a flood, he shows up and he's my redeemer. I'm so glad that my redeemer lives. I'm so glad that I have a redeemer who lives and that at the end of time, he will stand on the earth and he will judge the earth. He will redeem his people. He will redeem his children from all that we've suffered. Oh, I'm so glad that there is a place, beloved, where there'll be no more crying and there'll be no more dying. I'm so glad that my Redeemer walks with me. I'm so glad that my Redeemer talks with me. I'm so glad that my Redeemer went out there on the cross, stretched out his hands, and when the wrath of God was poured down, he shielded me from the wrath of God, and all I felt was his blood trickling down on my head to say, I got you, Craig. I got you, my child. I am your Redeemer. Do you know our Redeemer? His name is Jesus Christ. He shall redeem us from death and destruction. He shall redeem us from the wrath of God. He shall redeem us from sin. He shall redeem us from everything that the enemy has thrown up against us. He's our hedge maker, beloved. But he's also our Redeemer. If you don't have a relationship 
with the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. I want to offer you an opportunity today to give your life to Jesus Christ. What you will find is that he's just as much Redeemer as he is hedge maker. And while I praise God for the hedges that he's placed around me, I praise him even harder for the mountains that he's brought me over as my redeemer. I praise him even harder for the valleys that he's brought me through as my redeemer. You see, <laughs> y'all know my story. I've battled meningitis and almost lost my life. Y'all know my story. That time that the armed gunman came in to rob me and my family while we were in that washateria. Y'all know my story. All of the car wrecks where the car looked like it was total, but I came out unscathed. Y'all know my story. Had to deal with infidelity in my marriage. And yet my family has made it through it stronger than ever. Y'all know my story. Couldn't find a job. Couldn't find housing. Now I have a job at one of the greatest institutions in the world. And I've never went without a roof over my head. Beloved, let's not live our lives with faith that is dependent upon God keeping the hedge around us. But get deeper in your faith. Know that even if he lifts the hedge, he is our redeemer. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you as my prayer.